The Apple event just wrapped and we've got special guest, Verizon Wireless CEO, Ronan Dunn, to talk about the iPhone and 5G. I'm Roger Chang and this is your Daily Charge. With me to help interview Ronan is my colleague, Eli Blumenthal. Hi, Roger. Ronan, thanks for joining us. My pleasure. So you've been working on 5G for a while now. It's The industry has been working on it for a while. It's been live for almost two years at this point. Uh, but how big of a deal is it that Apple is finally getting into the 5G game? So Roger, I, if I may just take people back is, you know, great uh, technologies when they uh, arrive need to be deployed within an ecosystem. And we started like three plus years ago and we had the technology forum where we brought best in class partners together and said, look, we think this 5G is going to be huge. We want to accelerate uh, the development of the standards, the development of the, uh, of the equipment. So we kind of put our money where our mouth was early on. And since then, we've been uh, in the vanguard. And really, the announcements today are a culmination of that two to three year uh, cycle where we've worked with chipset manufacturers, we've worked with network equipment vendors, and we've worked with all of the premium device manufacturers in the world and really brought together um, a, a very clear understanding of the potential of both 5G and particularly 5G uh, millimeter wave. And that has resulted in this year alone, now after the announcements from Apple, 25 5G devices coming to uh, the US, all of which are supporting uh, millimeter wave and really reflecting, I believe, an accelerated adoption curve that can only get faster now that Apple and iOS have joined the party. Now, you spent a year and a half touting the insane speeds that you get with that millimeter wave 5G speeds. But realistically, for a lot of folks buying an iPhone 12, uh, they likely will be accessing the low-band 5G, the nationwide 5G network you announced today. I'm just curious how you are either educating or bracing consumers uh, on what could be a, a disappointing first impression of 5G, because it's not quite those millimeter wave speeds. Low-band is, at this point, you know, an incremental upgrade over our faster 4G networks. So I'd, look, I'd break it into two parts. Uh, the devices that are coming to market today and the recent past from uh, other device manufacturers have chipsets in them which are optimized to use the existing technologies in 4G and 5G even better, to deliver better experiences, better battery life, better capabilities uh, on the devices. So there's a great um, proposition for any uh, customer who's considering uh, upgrading. The second thing is, and today was a perfect uh, demonstration of it, the pace of software innovation around uh, networks is faster than it's ever been. We announced today that because of uh, the availability of 8CC uh, on the downlink and 2CC on the uplink with carrier aggregation, that we've essentially doubled the speeds in millimeter wave. But it's not about speed. Um, speed in uh, our business is a proxy for capacity and capability. And so think about it is, is it that somebody needs four gigs or is it that a thousand people in a stadium are all streaming 4K at exactly the same time? That's the question that you have to answer. And so the opportunity for customers to enjoy both fabulous ultra wideband experiences, but also because of our commitment to ultra wideband in those densely populated areas in the high traffic areas, actually the offload to the uh, ultra wideband network is also freeing up the very best of the best in class 4G LTE network we have and now 5G nationwide covering over 200 million uh, of the US population. So it is a win-win, it gets better for everybody. Okay. so. Talking about that, you know, win-win and getting people onto 5G, 
Uh, with the new iPhones, that's obviously a big opportunity for getting people to switch and, and get onto the new networks. With your approach with DSS, is there an added incentive for you guys to get people to upgrade so that you can re- start reallocating some spectrum from 4G LTE to 5G? Well, in fact, it's almost the, the contrary. While we're absolutely excited about telling uh, the 5G story to our customers, the use of DSS means that we don't have to artificially partition between one part of our spectral bands and another to create individual lanes for individual technologies. We allow seamless access across the network, um, occasioned by the management of that network in a way that says if there's more need for 4G, then we have it. If there's more need for 5G, then we have it. That's a distinct alternative to somebody saying, I have a dedicated lane for 5G, and if it's empty, it stays there unused. So we think it's highly efficient in the way we use it, and therefore we think it gives the best experience to both. I wasn't willing to compromise my 4G LTE experience, which my customers came for, um, in, uh, in, a, in a rush to deliver a 5G experience. What I've committed to is building the best 4G LTE network, and then on top of it, the best 5G nationwide and the new 5G ultra-wideband uh, network. And that's part of Verizon's consistent uh, commitment to delivering quality experience and choice. That's our value proposition. The, the 4G LTE network, just to clarify, that's not going to get slower because of what you guys are doing with DSS and with 5G nationwide. That, that experience is still going to remain at the levels that it was at previously. Correct. It's going to remain best in class in the, uh, in the U.S. And think about this is as the explosion of traffic uh, continues, as demand uh, for um, uh, wireless capacity increases, uh, Verizon has more than 1,600 megahertz of nationwide millimeter wave capacity. So our opportunity is differentiated from everybody else's in our ability to carry that incremental traffic in a way that doesn't degrade the experience of other customers. So that is a key to the approach that we're taking, which says that as we build out our 5G millimeter wave, we've now gone past 50 cities. We expect to be city 60 at the end of the year. We've got over 40 stadia and a whole series more transport hubs. Those uh, networks are lifting a whole, whole growth in capacity and delivering it on those networks. That is freeing up incremental capacity. And you know, Kyle, uh, our CTO, uh, presenting to uh, investors in the last year, has talked about the fact that actually our headroom in the network is actually growing, not declining. And that's because of the spectral strategy that we've been deploying. Yeah, you know, I talked a lot about sort of the interest and hype for 5G and, and making sure at the same time the 4G network is still strong. But I'm not really sure that you know, anyone's given me a great reason why I, as a consumer, would need 5G now, especially with most of us under lockdown, where you know the idea of faster speeds on the go is a little bit less relevant when we're stuck at home. So I'm just curious for for consumers, speaking consumers now, like right now, what would you say is the killer app for 5G? What is the main reason why you would want to have a 5G device? Honestly, I think it's a misconception to assume that there's a there's a killer app. The truth is we're creating an ecosystem where 5G is a much more diverse set of capabilities than any G before it. We have all of the currencies. We have latency. We have capacity. We have burst speeds. We have the ability to carry more connected devices per square mile on the network. We have six nines uh, reliability. 
All of those things are factors. If you're a consumer today, the question is, somebody has just built a best-in-class device, whether that be Apple, whether it be Samsung, which has the latest chipset technologies, it has the latest battery management, it has the latest features, the latest screens and capabilities. And we're in a business where it's an ecosystem, where it's that symbiotic relationship between amazing technology on the network brought to life by the capabilities in the devices. So we're very excited in the innovation we see in the, uh, in the device space. And what I would say to you as regards the ecosystem, now that iOS has joined the 5G uh, ecosystem, I expect to see a further acceleration in innovation around products and apps. Uh, and that's certainly we're excited to bring uh, to our customers. And that's why we built 5G rides so that all of the potential that's available is exploitable by app developers and product developers. I mean, you bring up a good point because obviously with 4G, we saw uh, an advent of new apps like like Uber, Airbnb, live streaming that 4G really enabled. I suspect 5G will be a catalyst for a lot of that, but at least in the near term, you know, a lot of talk has obviously been about speed, but really for consumers who are making that purchasing decision right now, I'm just curious if there's anything you could tell them as to why they would want a 5G device right now. Let me give you two or three <clears throat> great uh, examples. Uh, the first thing is, uh, think about uh, Uplink, um, the least exploited part uh, of most of our networks. So, okay, some people in lockdown at the moment, but we are going to go back to outdoor experiences, events, etc. Uh, think about the opportunity for you. The, the capacity of a millimeter wave network means that it's not one person who can stream 4K at the game. Thousands and thousands and thousands of Verizon customers side by side can stream 4K at the game. And guess what? If you're on social media, if your uh, video stream doesn't get out there, it isn't true. You weren't there. So you have the opportunity to be first on Verizon. Now, you mentioned Headroom uh, a moment ago, Ronan. Uh, you guys also did spend about $1.9 billion acquiring some 3.5 gigahertz mid-band spectrum. So two questions there. One, will these new iPhones that, you know, a lot of excitement about support that spectrum? And the second is, when can we expect to see Verizon deploy 5G using this 3.5 mid-band? So look, um, the things I can say about spectrum are, are constrained in the circumstances that we're yet again in a quiet period around. But uh, yes, you can assume that all of the best-in-class devices that are out there support uh, the spectrum bands that uh, we have uh, in deployment today and the ones that we have have acquired. So um, it's absolutely consistent. Our ecosystem uh, play is uh, is very clear and we work with chipset manufacturers and uh, equipment vendors on the network side and obviously device manufacturers to make sure that we're bringing all of the assets that we have to bear in a way that enhances the experience for customers. Okay, so as far as future proofing, for for lack of a better term, when it comes to this 3.5 that you guys acquired, that mid-band spectrum, these new iPhones will support that. Yeah, I want to talk about the the price of 5G. Uh, obviously, the, the the phone prices are coming down. They aren't you know, quite as extreme as they were a year ago, uh, but they're still around the 600 to $700 range. Uh, I'm just curious, you know, and we talked about this at CES, like how how much longer before we get phone 5G devices that are sort of the mid-tier or budget, budget range to the point where more Americans can enjoy 5G and the 5G network? Well, actually, that's the great news about the adoption cycle of 5G relative to 4G. Uh, We already have more than 25 
uh, 5G millimeter wave capable devices uh, available to Verizon's customers. And we started the year at the $1,000 price point. We broke 800, then we broke 600. Now we've broken 500. And I suspect before the year is out, we'll, uh, we'll break below uh, 400. So um, uh, actually it's 5G for all. And we're very excited about uh, our ability to help uh, to make that happen by our leadership inside the, uh, inside the ecosystem. So uh, watch this space for continued innovation around price and accessibility. Can you give us a tease as to what that $400 device might be? I think I, I, think I just said watch this space. <laughs> <laughs> you also use 5G for all. That sounds like a, a saying somebody else has used. I, uh, I'm, I'm not sure if they have, but uh, forgive me if I've, uh, if I've uh, constrained somebody's, uh, somebody's IP. I think the only people who are actually doing it is Verizon, but hey-ho. Fair, fair enough. Um, switching back a little bit to network. Obviously, you guys are covering 200 million people today. It's a lot of major cities. When can we expect the rest of, of the Verizon 4G LTE network to start deploying DSS and allowing for 5G? So look, we will continue uh, to roll out uh, 5G. Uh, and so our intentions is to bring our 5G to every corner of our, uh, of our network uh, and do that over time. Uh, we've spent a lot of the year this year preparing our network for the upgrades uh, to 5G and uh, you know, covering 200 uh, million uh, of the US population is a significant milestone, but there's plenty more uh, to go uh, and we will continue to focus, uh, focus on that. But we've also innovated around our 4G LTE network. We opened and we announced the other day that in, in about 180 odd counties uh, that we expanded our 4G home offering, having had an initial launch of that uh, a month or two earlier. So um, what I would say to any customer is, you know, the, 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 the best network just keeps getting better. And we are committed to expanding availability and access and the product set that's there, whether it be 4G, which let's not forget is best in class already in the US, as well as uh, the further enhancements of the 5G uh, network and the capability there. You know, you brought up uh, 5G home service. I'm definitely interested in that. Um, you know, you, you talked today about the doublings of speeds on the millimeter wave network. Are we going to see some of those speed gains on the home service? And, and when are we going to see an acceleration of deployments to new markets for, for 5G home? Because that's been, uh, it's gone a lot slower than your, your, your mobile network or your cellular network. So I'm just curious what, what sort of the state of 5G home looks like for you guys. Sure. So a couple of key enablers, which uh, we've touched on before. But the first thing is um, 5G is a mobility play with an incremental use case for 5G home. So my primary focus is in deploying where the majority of traffic is in the urban areas. Not all of those are residential, to be clear. Um, but as we build out in all of those cities, and we announced that we've passed 50, we added 19 uh, additional cities today, and we expect to be at 60 uh, by the end of the, uh, end of the year. Uh, following from that will allow us to open more uh, 5G home uh, environments. The second thing that we've talked about uh, and confirmed was now available to us is the next generation of CPE that gives us an even better coverage and performance. And that was launched on the 1st of October. So the combination of the accelerated rollout of the 5G uh, ultra wideband network and the availability of the next generation of CPE really allows us to drive further uh, in fourth quarter and 
uh, into Q1. So again, I think there'll be a, lots of announcements from us around opening up new markets. And to the specific question, yes, the 5G home product now enjoys the benefit of the, the, the HCC, 2CC that we, uh, we mentioned earlier. And so throughput speeds, which were already above two gig, uh, you can see them going uh, even higher. That's exciting here. That's interesting. That puts the 5G home faster than your Fios offering. Yeah, so again, to be clear, um, the capacity issue is, uh, is a thing that speed is just a re uh, reference to capacity. So the more speed throughput I have because more of those uh, carriers in my ultra wideband are available, just means that I can serve more and more homes. Okay, now just while we're on the topic of homes, you also have a 4G LTE home broadband play. You now have 5G DSS. When can we expect that 4G LTE home broadband to start taking advantages of 5G NR? So um, it, these are steps in a journey. Um, the 4G home product is uh, really driven by capacity and availability uh, within the network. And so there will be two factors. One is as we deploy uh, more spectrum across different bands and increases our capacity. And as we roll out the millimeter wave, to the extent that those millimeter wave deployments are also in the same areas, uh, what we will be able to do is we will build out more 5G home uh, product. But over time, the same capability in our CP and otherwise will allow us to uh, deliver a 5G nationwide type home product uh, as well. Um, so it's, it's an evolution. And what we're doing is making sure that our CPU roadmap is ensuring that we can um, uh, gain the benefit of all of the innovation that's coming through carrier ag and, and uh, other things uh, over time. I'm, I'm curious about the, in terms of the, the range or the broadness of availability of the service, I've been writing a lot about um, you know the digital divide and how 5G is poised to be a potential solution to, to closing the broadband gap. I'd love to get your thoughts on that, particularly you know 5G, not just 5G, but also 4G LTE, which I know you guys have a lot of work in, in rural communities. What what role do these play in closing the gap? As as you know, as 2020 has shown, is uh, a really really pressing problem. Yes, it's a it's a really good question. So we start from a good place because um, <clears throat> Verizon serves more rural uh, communities in America than any other uh, carrier, as you know. Um, but what's important is that uh, we need to be able to deliver a um, a quality and experience in the residential situation akin to what a, a mobility offering might be. So the criteria that we set for the 4G LTE is it has to be an unlimited uh, proposition and it has to have minimum 25 meg throughput but target up to 50 meg speeds so that it does what it says on the tin. Um, the reality of that is then determined by uh, the depth of our, uh, of our coverage, the availability of fiber, et cetera, et cetera. So we continue to reinforce the perimeter of the 4G LTE network and build it out. And um, while at this stage we can't talk about the detail of it, but um, uh, the, the latest plans for um, uh, additional funding for rural development, uh, we have signaled and we have registered our interest uh, in participating in that, uh, in that program can't say anymore at, uh, at this stage. But I certainly uh, am committed to continuing to expand accessibility and availability and affordability uh, to ensure that more people can enjoy America's best network. Yeah, I want to talk a little bit about the, going back to the millimeter wave network, 
from a seller perspective. You know, the, the knock has always been, you know, it's super fast, but the range is pretty limited. Uh, you've sort of got, you know, hot spots of coverage. Uh, is that, at one point, does that change where you get broader coverage of millimeter wave, that it, it, it's more than just finding the right intersection, finding the right spot, uh, and then it comes a bit more broader? So that's already happening. So I'll take uh, Chicago, one of the first cities that we uh, launched in. And actually, I was there personally when we switched on uh, the millimeter wave network. Uh, the coverage in, in Chicago is more than double what it was uh, when we launched. And actually, I think we've got 4x the number of uh, cells uh, down there now. So we've also announced with partners like Corning and others uh, the availability of uh, indoor uh, 5G cells. We've also uh, partnered with uh, others where there's repeaters, which means that we can use um, our backhaul. We can actually use our own spectrum to link between uh, individual uh, small cells so that you don't necessarily need fiber in every single one. So that innovation around the equipment ecosystem is broadening out uh, the deployment opportunities uh, for us. So you will see a broadening and deepening of those uh, networks in all the major cities. Realistically, millimeter wave is not a solution for rural America because of the fact of needing either repeaters or multiple uh, small cells. And that's where uh, what's important is our deployments uh, using 5G and uh, uh, 5G standalone, the ability to use that to improve the quality of experience and the use cases that are available uh, in uh, semi-rural and, uh, and rural areas, as well as increasing our footprint and building further. Now, uh, uh, switching gears a little bit back towards today's news, uh, we had your colleague from T-Mobile on our, on our podcast a few months back, and he talked about the possibility of a 5G iPhone as a dream. Now, those 5G iPhones exist. What, what is that mean for you and, and to have multiple 5G iPhones available on your network as we transition to this new generation of wireless? So I think the first thing, if you invited that name, uh, uh, um, unnamed person back on, they'd say, wow, all of, all of uh, Apple's products supports millimeter wave. That's a huge endorsement. I think that'd probably be the first thing they'd say. Whether they'd say it out loud or not is another question. And, and the point here is, is that um, we have in our investment in the US and in our investment in um, the 5G ecosystem, we have demonstrated to all major equipment vendors, whether they be network equipment, device equipment, whether it be laptops, tablets, others, the compelling case for 5G to include millimeter waves so that you can bring the very best in class experiences to customers. So look, we're excited about it, but it's a highly competitive marketplace and we love competition because competition is what accelerates innovation, is what brings out the best in us. So look, I'm looking forward to a great conversation with, uh, with our uh, customers and with the customers of the other networks over the coming weeks and months about uh, why uh, Verizon's 5G is a compelling proposition. So obviously, this is an opportunity for you know you and every other carrier to nab customers from each other. This is a big switching event as folks look to upgrade. Uh, I'm just curious, what kinds of deals or what kind of incentives are you looking to offer to to lure people either away from other carriers or keep your existing customers with Verizon? Sure. So look, um, I'm not actually sure that this is such a uh, an incredible uh, the switching. Uh, uh, reason, because this is kind of this super cycle question. Uh, the truth is that everybody has their reasons as to why they um, acquire a device and why they choose a carrier. And to suggest that, you know, in the period of, you know, 
18 minutes or something like that in a, in a keynote that all of that changes, I think is disingenuous to customers. We've been building out for years bulletproof network availability and capability. We've been building on our experience. We've been improving our MPS quarter over quarter. We've been driving more value into the hands of customers and we've been bringing uh, partners to bring even more value to, to customers. So I think the conversation with our customers is they like what we're doing today and they will be thrilled at the fact that we're leading in this next generation of capabilities. So for me, it's as much about the conversation with our existing customers. Of course, um, be uh, welcoming customers from uh, other networks to join us now that they see the compelling case for a millimeter wave and CR availability of 5G nationwide. But I'm not sure I subscribe to this, it's all gonna happen uh, overnight situation because customers come for the network and then they stay for the experience. And that's something that we've been demonstrating quarter in, quarter out. And that's why, you know, when we last reported, our, our churn started with a .5 handle, which is uh, world-class. I just have one question. It's, it's not necessarily related to today's news, but there was some talk about a national 5G network by the federal government. And I know we're running up on time here, but I was curious to get your thoughts on a federal 5G uh, offering. So I'm, I'm a very strong uh, believer in uh, public-private uh, partnership. I think the private sector should do, do those things it does best. And the public sector should address as part of public policy, those gaps where it's either uneconomic or otherwise uh, to provide other services or, or, or capabilities. We work very, very closely with the FCC, with government, with all interested parties to make sure that we're doing our bit to make sure that there isn't a digital divide. And if that uh, requires us to collaborate either with government or with other carriers, et cetera, et cetera, we're always open-minded. At the end of the day, it's about the customer outcome. Uh, that's why we uh, invest so heavily in uh, the uh, Verizon uh, Innovative Learning uh, program, we've invested over $400 uh, million and expanded that out, including now access to 5G for those schools. So we completely uh, recognize that there's a challenge there and we're very open-minded about bringing best-in-class private sector solutions to that. But if we can partner like with the Regional Development Opportunity Fund uh, that's coming up soon, we will certainly, and we've already registered our uh, interest there. Uh, so we will be very open-minded about how we can be part of the solution. Apple made the point about um, you know being on 5G, being more secure because you're, you're less likely to be on Wi-Fi. I know there's also some privacy questions about 5G and just how, because it's it, it's able to track you so precisely. I'm just curious how you, what your thoughts are as for the privacy implications of the upgrade to 5G, some of the benefits and potentially some of the, the risks that come with, with this next generation technology. Well, the first thing I'd want to ensure, assure anyone who's <clears throat> watching or listening is um, uh, wireless networks are the most secure communications you will ever do. Um, I completely agree with the point that um, public Wi-Fi uh, represents a, uh, a risk and therefore the ability to substitute public Wi-Fi for uh, 5G millimeter wave with the sort of capacity and ubiquitous coverage in urban areas, I think is certainly uh, an, uh, an opportunity. And, and we definitely uh, see that given the sheer capacity that millimeter wave can support relative to the rel relatively small amounts of spectrum that's available on the 2.5 and the 5 gig for, uh, for uh, <clears throat> Wi-Fi. So look, um, 
wireless is a great secure technology end to end and 5G makes it even, uh, even better. So uh, as regards uh, privacy concerns, uh, I have no concerns whatsoever. We're very, very conscious of our CPNI responsibilities and obligations. We don't sell um, our uh, customers' data to third parties. Um, we're very much a case of we're there to curate the best digital experiences on behalf of our customers and we owe our responsibility to them. It's their data at the end of the day. Thanks for your time, Ronan. You can read all of our Apple coverage on CNET.com. If you have any questions, hit us up on Twitter at The Daily Charge. If you'd like to receive direct text messages from me, text 646-461-4291 to sign up. Also, please subscribe and rate the show. It really helps us out a lot. For The Daily Charge, I'm Roger Chang. Thanks for listening.